You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instruction. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. You know, the church every Sunday keeps looking more and more beautiful. It's amazing to see everyone here. It's an amazing Sunday. How many of you guys are glad to be in corporate worship this morning? Amen. Amen. So last week, I apologize. I forgot to announce one announcement, and I didn't hear the end of it all week because it was my husband's announcement. So it was a big mistake. We haven't made a flyer for it yet, but Super Bowl is right around the corner. And my husband usually runs a Super Bowl outreach, and Super Bowl is starting to come together. Um, And this is going to be on Super Bowl Sunday. I think it's the 12th, right? Sunday is the 12th. Um, I think that's a date, but it's going to be on Super Bowl Sunday. So we are looking for teams, volunteers, everyone who wants to uh, join the team, volunteer. It's a lot of fun. If you haven't attended one of these uh, Super Bowl outreaches, we stream the game here on the big screens. Um, We have the loudspeakers on, so you get to watch the game in like if you're in a movie theater. So there's nothing better than watching the game there like that. And then we also have a lot of prizes to give away during intermission, to give away during um, in between commercial breaks, in between quarters. Um, we have games at the same time. We have a lot of minute to win it games. And it's fun for the whole, whole family, for the adults, for the kids, for the grandkids. You can bring everyone with you. So this is going to be Super Bowl Sunday. And just look forward on our social media pages for our flyer. And just get with any leader or you can get with Lauro or myself directly if you want to join the team or if you would like to donate any uh, gifts and prizes that we will be distributing and giving away. Um, We also have on February 2nd, uh, February 2nd, we're going to have the ladies ministry outreach. Um, This is going to take place at the monthly meeting for the ladies ministry. And this is going to be a big one for all of our ladies. We have a lot of um, engagement on our Facebook page already with this one. And we created an event. So if you are going to be attending, please um, click on I am going or interested so that we can get a head count. There is going to be a lot of prizes given away here also. And most importantly, this word is broken down just for ladies, just for ladies. And it's Joyce is going to be showing us how to navigate and how to overcome um, anxiety, depression in a woman's world. So she's going to break it down for each and every one of us. So ladies, this is an absolute blessing for each and every one of us. And I know this is something that's going to help us all. Um, and it's also a great time of fellowship. So we have free food. And on this event, we will also have free child care. So if you have children and you can find a sitter, just bring them with you. Um, we will have uh, free child care provided here for you. So we look forward to seeing you. Um, we were going to have Pastor Yoel here next Sunday, but Pastor's going to fill you in on this because we have something really great and motivating um, to achieve new goals there in Cuba. So I will let him share that with you. So at this time, kids, you guys are dismissed. You are dismissed, kids. Uh, We have nursery right here in the hallway foyer for our babies up to the age of three. Right next door, we have our elementary kids. 
Then next door to our elementary, we have our pre-K, our pre-K kids. And then junior high ministry, you guys are collecting outside in the new building. So at this time, let's go ahead and open up our hearts and let's get ready to receive life in a new way, the faith way. Kathy, it's starting to look good, yeah? Every time y'all show up and invite somebody and bring somebody, and I'm excited to see you guys this morning. And, but you know, the, the, the Word of God in churches, I'll just say this right at the top end, is like, it's, it's almost kind of like a restaurant, you know? You know, you'll go a couple times, but if you don't really like it, you don't come back. So, glad to, you're enjoying the meals, right? You're coming back for some more, so praise God. Well, we've been on this series on, I titled it Brain Break, and I'm going to dive right into it. And, I'll share some things that Kathy mentioned at the, at the back end towards, towards the end of the service, but I just I, I really feel the anointing to just move quickly this morning. So we, you know, three weeks ago, just to bring everybody, you know, cue in everybody where we need to be, um, I began a series called Brain Break, and I'm trying to address, and it's something I've been working on for a long time, I, I didn't, you know, I don't just, probably six months or more, you know, meditating down these lines and, and finding the right time to, to begin to teach these things, and also incorporating it into you know, my own personal life and my things that I have to navigate through. And just like everybody, you know, we have to navigate through all these things. So, so there's been a lot of work and a lot of time put into this study. And what, the way I wanted to approach it, I, want, I wanted not to hyper-spiritualize everything, because that's a dangerous, you know, the, the, the church has, uh, I'm not sure how to, how to word it, but the church has like this stigma, I guess a stigma that for whatever reason, you know, we don't address mental health issues in, in the church. It's funny because the church will address every other health issue. You know, they'll address cancer and they'll address COVID and everything else. But when we get to mental issues, it's kind of like, well, you know, pray about it or deal with it. And the thing is, yeah, you know, there's there's these two areas, and this is where I, I'm almost done with my introduction. There's an area where, and this is at the first service, so you you know, if it's important to you, you go back to the podcast. I can't, you know, <laughs> do we preach everything. But there's a balance. You know, there's different kinds of, of mental health. You know, it's a very very complex, complex study, and, and the more you dig in, the more complex it gets, you know, and I'm talking really, right now, I'm, I'm not even talking spiritual, I'm talking a complete, from a complete psychological aspect or a medical aspect of mental health is very complex, so there's, there's an area of mental, you know, where it's a biological issues where, you know, it has been shown that medicine and treatment and so forth and so on is, is, is effective, and that's, that's good, and you should do that, you know, and, and what I've always said, I'll, I'll keep saying what this church stands, or at least what I stand for, is that, you know, I believe God heals, amen, but, uh, you know, God also places medicine to heal, you know, and I'm not a medicine guy, trust me, I'm like the last guy, I don't take any, thank, pray, glory to God, I'm not on any meds, you know, I take gobs of supplements all my life, I've taken supplements, but I'm not on any, like, chemical meds, like, that I have to take, but you see, medicine is a good thing, you know, it's not an evil thing. But my point is there's a balance where you say, okay, if, if what you're dealing with in your life, you know, you've shown that, that medicine is helping you, you know, that doesn't mean God's not working. You stay on that path. And what I said last week, you know, you can believe for healing, but getting rid of something is not a faith statement. So if I want to, you know, I believe God that God's going to heal my eyesight. My eyesight's not bad, you know, but if I look at, you know, you guys look a little bit blurry, but I can still see who you are, you know. Maybe I should preach like this, that way I won't see you all gawking at me. You know, but I say, okay, God, heal my eyes, and I'm going to throw my glasses as a faith statement. You know, that's pretty dumb. Now, if I'm wearing my glasses, and, I, and you guys, 
you look clear with my glasses, and all of a sudden you look blurry, and I take my glasses off, and you're all clear. Glory to God, I got a miracle. But the act of throwing my glasses away or putting them down is not an act of faith. The act of putting your medicine down is not an act of faith. Ooh, it got quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. That doesn't impress God. God can heal anything. We've seen amazing things. I've seen cancers healed. I've seen things that weren't supposed to work. I've seen people that are alive for many, 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 many years. They, they, they didn't heal their body, but God did something. And they, you know, they got full-blown AIDS, and they're like nothing. You know, they've been living for years. Uh, there's a couple in Ukraine that I met like that, two of both of them, the husband and the wife, were full-blown. They had come out of drug rehab, so forth and so on. And you see miracles. I mean, God kept these people alive, you know. He, he didn't heal the AIDS, but they kept them alive, so go figure, you know. It wasn't even HIV. It was full-blown AIDS. So God has that ability, but you don't say, well, you know, I'm on the struggle of my life, and, you know, I'm just going to dump that. So if, you're, if that's your case, I'm just going to stop with that. If that's your case, be smart and be wise. What I'm addressing is things that have been shown you know, through spiritual aspect, through counseling, through training, and that's one of those things we're going to hit big this morning. I believe you're going to get a lot out of it, so I want to, I want to dive in. Have been shown to, to help and to, to give you quality of life. So let me, let me just go. So I believe there is a natural place. Pay attention to what I'm going to say. For learning skills, and not just everything is a pill. Is that okay? Skills instead of pills. How about that one? But the pills are still part of it. But I think in the area of skills, there hasn't really been training because there is a lot of things, as I've been studying this and as I've been learning it and applying it, that you can train yourself. And the word, by the way, we're not off the word. The word is so clear. It's amazing to me as I've studied both angles from the psychological, medical aspect with the spiritual. It seems like one of, some of the things that I'm really like, leaning into, they don't say they got it out of the word of God. Because it's stuff that's used and, you know, it's been written up in medical journals and everything. But if you go through, and I'm going to teach some of that this morning, those are all lined up with the Word of God, every one of them. And it really is about how, what is our part or our responsibility to keep our head fit? How about that? You know, we have a responsibility to hopefully, you know, we, we do the best we can, obviously. But, you know, we have a responsibility to take our body and take care of our bodies, yes? I mean, a little bit. Well, it's the same thing. So, so, you know, there are skills and things that you can learn to identify this because, you know, depression and anxiety, and that's really the, they, they kind of go hand in hand, so we're not, I'm not going to try to separate them. But there are different levels of depression. You know, depression is not just being sad. Everybody can be sad. You know, your dog dies, you're sad. You know, depression is a, something that is, extends itself. You can have a sad moment. That's not a depression. That's an emotion. Now, if that sad moment continues for days and weeks and months, now you can call it a depression. You understand? So, you, you know, life comes with all these things. So we're not trying, and that's one of the things that kind of bugs me about today's society, especially with children, you know, and stuff that I've been studying and, and you know, medical conditions. The, the, the medical science part of it is very, very quick to, here, take a pill. You know, fix it. But they don't address the training part. And this is what's really interesting to me, because you can be trained in some things that I'm going to share probably in the next couple of weeks, and H is going to come up here. I had told him today, but I don't know if he was ready today, or you want to do it tomorrow, next Sunday. Well, he's going to come up, well, let's do next Sunday, because we're not going to have Yoel next Sunday. But here, I'm going to give him some space next Sunday, because as a doctor, um, I want you to hear him, you know. And, of course, he's a pastor also, but, but he has, you know, he has the credentials to really, really dig into this thing 
and give you just that aspect. So, so it's really important that you understand this because one of the things I threw out last week, and, I want, and this is where I'm gonna, we're going to take off this morning, was this idea of, well, you know, things I've heard in counseling for many, many years, things that I've said to myself, things that you've probably said to yourself, I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. Well, you know, we talked about that that's really a cool thing, and I use kind of a silly example. If you were to say, I want to be happy, how many steps do you, can you, you know, what are the steps to get there? And it's really not defined, because happiness is such a vague statement. You know, it's a kind of a vague statement. So, so happiness is not really what we're, you know, that's the Constitution gives us a pursuit of happiness, which is wonderful. But happiness is not something that you're going to reach 24-7, 365. That does not exist, so, so quit doing that. What we are seeking is joy, which is a whole different thing than happiness. Joy is having peace regardless of what your outside circumstances say. Hello. And, and that thing is, you know, that comes in, and if we don't manage the joy of the Lord, then we have all the information from the outside. Now we fall into these depressions, and then we don't know. And we're like, I'm just not happy. I'm so depressed. I'm always in this bad spot. I'm always in this dark spot. And then there's a snowball effect, and we'll talk about that, that once somebody gets into this kind of rut, you need help to get out of it. You know, you need spiritual help. You need emotional help. You need, you know, people around you. You might even need medical help. But here's, here's the thing, you know, we have to make sure that our expectations of, of what life is is correct. Because nobody told you that life was going to be a, a pillow. You were just going to ride it for the, you know, and it was going to be fine. That's not, that's, that's a wrong expectation. And sometimes those expectations really create a narrative inside of us of what we are to, you know, if we, if we see something on TV, for example, you know, you see somebody in a nice situation on TV, if your expectation is life was supposed to give me that, you're going to get depressed. You know? And that's the problem with media and society and advertisement and everything. If you're not careful or, you know, keeping up with the neighbors and keeping up with whoever because, you know, you find satisfaction in something. You could say that's happiness or that's peace. But then you turn around and your neighbor drove up in a brand new car. And you had satisfaction until you saw something else. So you have an expectation. So, you know, we'll address all these things. I'm kind of like scattershot right now, but... So, so this morning, we're going to get into this idea of how to, you know, how to climb the mountain. And really, you know, we, last week was going through the valley. So we, you know, I'm using Psalm 23 as a stepping stone. One of the things I want to read before we, we, we go in is, um, let me just read this. It's not, on, it's not on the slide. So no amount of medication, because I had it here on my notes, can teach this. This is, this is why I made such an important point on mental health. So, this, so medicine can't teach the following. And I'm just going to go through a list. I'm not going to expound on any of them. Medicine cannot teach effective coping. Medicine cannot teach stress management. Um, realistic explanatory styles cannot, you know, address that. And if, you know, what is that? It's big words. Well, that just refers to the way which individuals interpret and explain events in their life. You see, medicine doesn't fix that. Skills to build and maintain positive relationships. You, you know, there's not a pill that fixes your marriage and stop fighting with your wife. Say amen, right? We wish there was. Sophisticated problem-solving skills. That, you know, medicine doesn't teach that. Effective decision-making strategies? Nope. How to build and maintain a support network? It doesn't do that either. How to transcend an adverse personal history? Medicine doesn't do that either. And how to build a realistic and motivating future? It won't do that either. And every one of those points is what every one of us needs to have some kind of balance in life. You need support groups. You need family. You need all these, you know, all these dynamics. And if we're not careful, we, you know, we have an issue. And instead of leaning into where really, I guess, I, what I would say would be the first level would be these. And then, of course, the next level, you know, follow the path, wherever the path leads us. Okay, so let's get into it. First of all, let's get into the word. What does the word, the word covers, let me put it this way, there's five basic fundamentals that I've found that God 
addresses about our responsibility with our mind and our thinking process. Let's, let's look at those. So let, let go, go ahead and go to the next one. So number one, the Bible teaches this. These are, these are Bible truths. You're here in church. You're a spiritual person. I'm assuming you believe this. You will live out what you think and believe so our thoughts are, and believe it. So our thoughts are closely connected to our actions that they have the power to shape our lives. Words of scripture. Whereas he thinks within himself. So he is. So you will live out whatever you think and you believe. And we're going to really hit this idea here in a few minutes about our belief system. That is like the, that's the message this morning. And if I don't finish, of course, we get next week, right? But here's the thing, you know, you will live, you live, well, let me put it this way. You currently live and you will wake up tomorrow morning in the place of what you think and believe. So your thoughts are closely connected to your actions. And your thoughts will create all the actions that are coming tomorrow. So that's number one. So the Bible tells us that you are responsible for this one. For as a man thinketh. So you are responsible how you process your thought. Number two. These are the five fundamental things the Bible teaches about buying. You are not your thoughts. That's a huge one. You are not your thoughts. And you have the ability to choose them. Say this. I'm not my thoughts. Say it. Please say it. Some of you are like, there's no way that's true. Okay. Let's see what the Bible says about it. Let's get, let's get some scripture. So these are the five fundamental ideas that the Bible teaches regarding your mind. The weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Get ready, because depression is a fortress. We are destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets up itself against the true knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. So this tells me that according to scripture, I have the ability to choose my thoughts. I have the ability, guess what, to capture them. Amen? So that once again, so that's another two. You are, the Bible clearly states that you are not your thoughts. So, you know, you're going to have to, and we're going to learn, like I said, we're going to learn practical steps to, to help you with all this. Okay, number three, what else does the Bible teach? Well, the Bible says we choose how to shape our thinking. And, this is really cool, this is going to be a big part, we can reframe our thoughts. So the Bible once again teaches in Romans, you do not conform to the pattern of this world, but you are transformed, pay attention how the change comes, by the renewing of your mind. It doesn't say by having a Holy Ghost moment and falling out. It doesn't say, it says by the renewing of your mind. Now, we need the Holy Ghost to, to, to renew our minds because we got, you know, stinking thinking. Amen. But the, but the process is by the renewing your mind, and once you do that, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good pleasure. That's number three. So number three says... You can reframe your thinking. Number four, discipline your thinking. Choose what you think. Aren't the same thing? Nope. Finally, brothers and sisters, this is what it tells you what you're supposed to think. And, of course, this lines up with CBT and all this other stuff. There's a saying where the world picked up and made this whole science. And that's actually what we're, we're talking about is, you know, cognitive behavioral training from the Bible side of it. Is this. You choose what you think. Is that that? Can you do that? Well, you can train your head to do that. You know, if you have a morning, you wake up in the morning, you say, boy, this day's going to suck. <laughs> this day's going to be bad. You know, that, you're, you're, you're framing that whole day now. That whole day's been framed. In other words, you say, I'm going to have a good day today. Even if you have a, a, you know, a crummy day, you set a good day at the front end, so your thoughts are in the right place. And this is training, because the more you do it, it becomes habit. I choose to wake up with a positive attitude. Amen. Well, I don't know. I said that, and you guys just kind of stole my whole positivity with your 
Uh, we're not, you're not going to make us smile for nothing, Pastor. All right, you can say todos amargados. I don't care. So he says, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if, if it's anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think of such things. So once again, we need to discipline our thinking. We need to spend time on purpose to say, that's not my thought, and that's not a positive thought, so I'm going to train my thoughts to go to a place where they need to be. And number five, I'll, I saved the best, best for last, right out of the mouth of Jesus. The last one, can you flip, give me the next one, is, and I, and I kind of picked through them because I didn't want to read the whole passage because I'm still kind of on my introduction. Matthew 6.25 and then verse 27 and then verse 31 through 34. Pay attention to what Jesus talked about thoughts. If you don't think what we're talking about is super important and relevant, right out of the mouth of Yeshua, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have any food or drink or clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Can all the worries add a single moment to your life? Now, you remember that little phrase, because we will hit it at some point today, because this idea, can all your worries add a single moment? You know what? We're not going to come back. Let's do it right now. Let's hit it right now. What does moment mean? Because you guys read through this like, so do I. What does moment? You got to stop at that word. You got to stop that word because a lot of the teaching today is going to land right here. He says that moment is the only place where you live, and it's in the here and now. You don't live tomorrow, and you don't live in yesterday. Now our, our head wants to. Ooh, our brain just does hates living today. If you don't believe me, think where, where, where are most of your thoughts located? Regrets in the past, or complexities of the future? Right? Because your brain does not like the present. It's always planning. It's always looking for something better or something different or, or dreading something. But Jesus said it very clearly. He said, can all your worries, where are worries located? Talk to me, church. Come on. They're not in the present. You can't worry about the present. Even if you're worried that you won't get out here by 12, some of you are already worried about that. It's still not 12. <laughs> the moment. He says, all your worries will not change your moment. So one of the things that we're looking in this teaching is train our thinking to really know where the moment is and how to live in the moment and how to enjoy it. Are you here this morning? Now you're starting, now you're starting to define what happiness is. That's a big, big one right there. So he says, can all the worries add a single moment to your life? Then we jump down to verse 31. So don't worry about these things. Saying, what did I just tell you a few minutes ago? You talk something. You say something and set that little thing in motion. The way things kick in is through your words. So don't worry about these things saying. So don't say things like this. What are we going to eat? Where am I going to get the next? Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do with the car payment this month. You know, you're not saying this, but you're saying something similar. What am I going to do with the kid's tuition? What am I going to do with this doctor's information? What am I going to do with all the life that's throwing at me? Everything that I've said is somewhere in your future. <laughs> right? And Jesus was addressing this. He says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. And if these dominate, that is a really, really strong word, even from the Greek language. Dominate means complete subjection. It is the reference of somebody holding somebody down. I got to get up here so you can see me. If you can imagine, some, I've knocked this guy down, and now I got my foot on his neck. That's what that word means. How important is that? Because question, what dominates your thoughts? What just puts its foot on your thought head 
and just doesn't let go. You know, we're going to learn some of these things on how to identify them. So that's what that means. That's, that's a super, I didn't, that's a brand new one to me because I dug it up. I hadn't, you know, in 30 years I never dug up that word. <laughs> that one was a good one. So he goes on to say, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom. Here come the instructions. That's what we're doing here. When you come to church, you're seeking kingdom principles of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Once again, he finishes with this. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Again, so so the, the number fifth point on this is Jesus said, learn to live where you're at. So that's number five of, of the things the Bible has says about, you know, there, there are more. There's lots more. But this is my five foundations that the Bible says that we have authority. Jesus tells us where to keep it. It tells us how to process them and so forth. Now, we're going to revisit because this is where it's really good. good. You guys are going to enjoy this one, I think. We're going to revisit the story in... 1 Kings 19, and I'm not, I don't have it up there because it's, it's a lot of reading, but I want to, you go in your Bibles or your phone and go ahead and bring up 1 Kings 19, and I'm going to read out of NLT if you care to follow verbatim, if not, just follow whatever translation you like. 1 Kings 19. We're going to go back to the story of Elijah, and to those of you that weren't here a couple weeks ago when I addressed it, and I just touched it, I didn't. I was using examples of, of, of Bible characters that went through depression and how God dealt with them and how they navigated just to show you that it's in the Bible. And it's not just one example. Boy, there's examples and examples and examples of people fighting this thing. Well, Elijah, he had just finished. So I'm going to bring you up and then I'm going to start reading. The, there, was, there was basically a civil war in the nation of Israel. I'm just going to summarize it really quick. And... The bad guys, if you want to, were led by Jezebel and her husband, Ahab. And because of this, God cursed, told, Je- told Elijah, curse the land. In other words, it will not rain because they were all coming against God. So he speaks it. This is the power that he had. Rain stopped. Three, and a, three years later, he says, it's going to rain again. Well, no, there wasn't raining. People are dying. People are starving. So they have this meeting where they get the false prophets, 300 of them, and they get Elijah by himself. Long story short. They prove whose God is it. And they cried, and they cut themselves, and they cut, you know, destroyed. Their God never showed up because he's not real. Elijah cries out to God. God shows up, burns the altar, blows everything up, and then everybody gets rowdy and excited, and they kill all the prophets. All right? Big victory, war hero, Elijah the man, and rain comes back, and it's pouring rain. So everything, so at that point, and this is something you're going to relate to because sometimes, how many of you can think about a, a highlight in your life? Like, like man, you know, I've reached whatever, your business, your career, you know, you had a baby, whatever. You'd reach a highlight, and you were really pumped, and then right after that, it was like, boom. And you fell, and I'm not talking somebody attacked you, I'm saying you went from emotionally up, everything's fine, to a complete place of darkness, almost instantly. Well, this is, you know, this happens, this is life. And, and here's a great man of God, a great prophet of God happens to him. So let's go into... 1 Kings 19, because a lot of what I'm going to teach this morning is going to be coming out of here. So he says, when Ahab got home, you've got to love a mean woman, right? He told Jezebel. I think Jezebel was kind of like Mexican. I don't know why. Everything Elijah had done. And you think about Ahab, right? 
Anyway, including the way he had killed the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. He, you know, she texted. They didn't have text, but you can imagine. She sent a text. Hey, Elijah, I'm going to kill you, dude. That's basically what it was. She sent a message. May the gods strike me down, even kill me, if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you. In other words, Jezebel is promising on her life. says, I swear that I'm, I will die tomorrow if I don't kill you by tomorrow. That's a pretty serious threat. Elijah, here, here we go. Are you guys ready? The great man of God, the one that just brought all this amazing, you know, demonstration of God's power. Verse 3, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. So we went from, you could say, the mountain to the valley of depression. And now, I'm going I'm to skip through this because a lot of reading. So he went and into the wilderness, and then he sat down under a solitary broom tree. And I was going to show you a picture of a broom tree, and I had it ready, but I wasn't able to get it. But it's basically a small mesquite bush. So even that, you know, he's not a nice oak, big shade. It's like the worst shade you could find. You know, like, get under, get a little bit of shade. So he sat down under the solitary broom tree and prayed. Don't raise your hand, please, because then we'll have to call authorities. No. Hopefully you've never prayed this or said it. But Elijah said it. Lord, kill me. Which is really weird. Because here's the thing that I'm trying to figure out. Maybe you can help me with this. If Elijah is running for his life because Jezebel's going to kill him, isn't it a little weird that the, where his prayer is, why don't you kill me better? I mean, dad is still dead. It doesn't matter who does it. Think about how your mind goes into these places where, where the things you say don't even make sense. When you fall into depression, when you fall into these dark places, your thinking gets, gets weird. And here's a, I just find it kind of interesting. The, the Elijah is running, is fleeing for his life, and what does he ask? Kill me. <laughs> I mean, come on, dude. Really? You, you talk about issues. And then he goes on to say, well, now let me just let me just put to this because this is where where the where the treatment and and a lot of the things that we're going to talk about begins to build. So he he you know verse three he flees for his life. Verse five, pay attention because here's here's where it comes. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. You're taking notes. You might write this little thing down. Rest. <laughs> That's deep. You mean yeah, rest. Okay, right there. Number one, he got some rest. And then, in verse 6, he looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones. A little Krispy Kreme going right there, huh? So now you got rest and a meal. This is how spiritual God gets on this stuff. Think about it. He's trying to get Elijah back on where Elijah needs to be. And he's not saying, I'm going to anoint your head with oil, Elijah, and all your depression is going to go, and you're going to be back to the prophet. He didn't do that. He said, Elijah, take a nap. Elijah, have a meal. This is really interesting. That's why I said Elijah's remedy was natural. Elijah's remedy was to get his head back in the game. The depression was not going to be... I mean, this guy is in the place of suicide. That's about as deep as you can go in depression. There's not much left there. And that is a tragedy in America that we have such a crazy high number of suicide rates in this country. And what's crazier, you guys ready? Among young people. I don't even want to touch that because when I dig this, I study all this. And it's crazy. Like teenagers, parents, play for your kids. Find out what's going on with your kids. Find out where their head is. Find out what's going on in school. Because your kid can come home and be all smiley and everything. 
cannot be doing good. Are you listening to me? This is a real thing. This is a very real thing. But the thing is, you know, get to the point of suicide. Well, not suicide. Get to the point of death. He wasn't going to kill himself. He was asking somebody else to kill him. Death by God, right? Is a pretty dark place. And God begins, if you want to, the therapy. This is God's therapy, and I love it. So he puts him to sleep. Well, I mean, he puts him to sleep. He puts some hot bread, not cold bread, and jars of water. That's also interesting. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel Lord came and touched him and said, get up and eat some more. Wouldn't it be that cool, like, if an angel of God came to you and you wanted, like, this huge revelation from heaven, Lauro, and the angel says, oh, I'm the angel of God. You need to eat. Bye. I'm like, really? That's all I get from an angel is go get some food? I mean, that's a pretty big manifestation. I've never seen an angel. I've heard of people that have seen angels, and, and they, their life changes. They're these huge, ginormous beings. They're not these little fat babies with a harp, you know? I'm just saying. The angel of the Lord came and told him, you need some more food, son, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. You need to, you need to get your strength back. And one of the keys to fighting anything, especially your mental health, you need to know how you get your strength back before you try to process things. Because one of the worst things about not addressing what's going on in your head is you get weaker and weaker and weaker. And you just fall into the cycle of, I've got to fix it, I've got to fix it. And you never take time to resolve some of these things. And it's amazing to me that some of the simplest things that God said was, you need to rest, you need to eat. And watch, here's the big one. There's one more thing that he told him. And then the angel of the Lord came again. Well, he says, so verse 8. He got enough food. And strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Remember that. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And this is really interesting because Elijah went to where most people think, I just go to the the house of the Lord. If I just find God's presence, everything's going to be fine. That's why he went there. And God said, what are you doing here? (laughs) Like this, really, Lord, the guy needs help. And you're like, what are you doing here? Because here's here's where it gets interesting. Elijah begins to reply. We haven't heard a lot about Elijah up to this point. Actually, we haven't heard anything. There's no really, you know, a lot conversation. But now he begins to talk. He says, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. Now, you went from Jezebel killing you, asking God to kill you, and now you got everybody else trying to kill you. <laughs> so he's still fighting this thing. And you think about the time frame. We're talking about 40 days now. We're talking over a month. He's been fighting this thing over a month. You know, he's been dealing with it. He's going to the mountain. God trying to find a resolve. Obviously, he's not as depressed as he was because we don't hear him kill me yet. But then he's still dealing with expectations. See that? God addresses something, what does he bring up? He doesn't bring up his relationship with God. He doesn't, he doesn't bring up how, I would have said, hey, God, how did you kill those 300 prophets? How did you bring fire from heaven? Let's talk about that. Remember I told you to start your day with positives? No, he didn't bring that up. God begins to talk to him, and what does he bring up? He brings up the fact that more people are trying to kill him. And he keeps forgetting that all it takes is one zap from God to wipe out any enemy that he has before him, because that just happened. So we, he keeps going on this conversation, And then God, verse 11, go out and stand before me on the mountain. 
This is a beautiful scripture. The Lord told him as Elijah stood that the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. That to me is that people are always looking for the great supernatural manifestations of God. If God just comes and touches me, I'll be happy. If God just comes and fixes this depression, I'll never be sad. Uh-uh. That's, that's what you, you want the thunder, you want the lightning, but God wasn't in there. Watch, watch where he was. This is so good. He says, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. I mean, this is, this is signs and wonders, explosions, fire, rocks falling. But God's not in that. God, God caused it, obviously, but he's not in that. He's just trying to make a point. When Elijah heard it, no, wait, I'm sorry. And after the fire, pay attention, because this is where the healing is going to start coming. There was a sound of a gentle God was not yelling at Elijah. God was not blowing things up. He was trying to talk to him. But what's interesting, if you keep reading, that's a beautiful scripture, but Elijah wasn't listening. <laughs> God's talking, and we're not listening. You can say amen to that. I mean, if you're honest, you can say amen to that. I say it. God talks all the time. We don't listen all the time. When Elijah heard it, what did he hear? The sound of the gentle whisper. Yeah, he saw the fire. He heard the smoke. He wrapped his face in his cloak and stood by the entrance of the cave, and the voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Again, he hasn't answered that question. He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord. Basically, he's repeating the same thing. I'm not even going to read it. I serve you, Lord, and everybody wants to... I mean, thunder, rocks falling, earthquakes, a gentle whisper, and he's still con la misma cosa. Anybody, you know anybody like that? You play the whole thing, how you lay it out for them. This is the plan to make your life work, and it's a beautiful, perfected plan. And they'll go, that's beautiful, but let me just go back over here. I mean, God's blowing up the mountain, and that's still not enough to get his head out of the game. He's still in his little, you know, his little quirk of depression, and here comes the last thing he gave him. And then we're going to move into some teaching this morning at some point. The Lord told him, go back the same way you came, and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazel to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimishi, to king of Israel. And anoint Elijah, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel, to replace you as my prophet. You know what all that is? It's called purpose. That's called purpose. He, he, he gave him rest. He gave him food. And he gave him purpose. Those were the three medicines that Elijah got from the point that he was killing himself. You think about that. You think, when I, when I mention something, skills instead of pills, this, this is kind of where it applies. Again, I, I did my disclaimer at the front end. If it's a medicine you need, don't, don't move it. I'm just saying, in this area, God showed up and healed this man, really, from a suicidal position with basically three things. Did you get that this morning? I hope it's helping you because it's still the same for you. Some of you just need to get some rest. And I'm talking not just lay down and sleep in, but like find out what causes rest in you. What causes your brain to settle down a little bit? Amen. Okay. So here's where we're going to get into a little bit of teaching. One of the things that we have to challenge when we begin to basically, well, let me give you those. What, back up one slide, Dorothy. I'm sorry. I got those mixed up. The, so this is, this is where we're going to go. So we already talked about for us. He thinks in his heart, so is he. And then Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is a beautiful scripture. And, you know, kind of, that's, 
I pulled it out. The, the full scripture says, if you are truly my disciples, if you truly disciplined ones, you will know the truth. And the truth that you know, that's, a, that's kind of amplification of it. The truth that you know will set you free. So once we understand this, here's what you've got to know. You don't know everything about everything. Can you handle that? You know, like 13-year-olds that know everything about everything. You're not there. Um, and the truths that you don't know about whatever subject we're referring to are the truths that could potentially injure you or not protect you. You agree with that? I could use endless examples. You know, if you don't know, how to, if you don't know the truth of driving a vehicle, you're going to kill somebody. Because there is truth. The, the, vehicles aren't emotional beings. They have, they're just a piece of machine. And every time you do something to that machine, it will react. It, and that's, it, that's what I'm saying. That is a real thing. You don't have to, well, it's because the car doesn't like me. That's why he acts that way. I know, I talk to my cars and kick them and everything, so do you, you know. But that would be like, that's stupid, Pastor Jeff, but that's how we people do with our lives. Because there is truth, and this is where we're going to get to. Oh, I'm about to open a can of worms for y'all right now. Because the truth, or let me put it this way, whatever has become truth in your life puts you right back into that first one. For what, because what you think might be a lie to the rest of the world, but if it's a truth to you, it's a truth to you. Amen? So, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So, whatever, you, whatever truth you believe, that's what creates you. So, here's what we got to do. We got to check our belief system. What are we believing? Where did the belief come from? You could even think, back, I mean, I've had to go through even, you know, ministry and think along these lines and say, where did that belief come from? Did it come from the word of God or did it come from some preacher? Hello. Because there's some crazy stuff that preachers say. I say a lot of crazy stuff, but I don't say stuff to extort money out of you. Amen. I'm just being honest, I don't do that. You know, I don't say, give me $100 and I'll give you five wishes. You, know, you, know, you guys know what I'm referring to. If that was the case, I'd give you 10 just so I'd get more money. I, I do get buy one, get one free, like the fireworks. That's manipulation, and that's not truth. But you know what? There's people that believe that completely. Years and years and years and years ago, when we first started the church, we were still in Mirando City, Texas. A lady came in, and she was mad. My husband might remember that. I think you were there. Right? If I tell you what it is, you'll remember what it is. And, and she was mad at me. She, she goes, I need to talk to your pastor about something. Well, I sent so-and-so $100, and nothing happened. And I'm like, well, uh, why don't you call so-and-so? You didn't give me the $100, so I'm, you know. But she was, like, upset because she gave. I mean, this is not witchcraft. Si quieres un trabajo, vete con el curandero. I mean, this is the Bible. And she was, like, mad at me because she figured we all believe the same way. I said, I don't believe that way. That is dumb. That is not. That. You see, that became a truth to her. And she was willing to act upon the truth by giving $100 because that was a truth to her. And guess what? It wasn't a truth to anybody else but her. So she was minus five wishes and 100 bucks. Imagine she'd have to wait five birthday parties before she even recovered. Oh, that was such a bad dad joke. All right, that's good. Okay, give me, the, give me, the, two, give me the, the slides where we are now. This is where it gets good. We need to challenge our belief system. It's a healthy thing. It's a very healthy thing. Where does the belief come from? Whatever you believe. You believe in God, you believe in whatever you believe in. Whatever your concept of religion, whatever your concept of medicine, whatever your concept of anything, where did it come from? 
So the sub-point of this one, is there a truth basis for that belief, or is it just based on assumption? For example, I'm never going to have a happy life. Okay, that's a belief system. Everybody seems to make it except me. That's a belief system. You believe that. You see, you, you know, that somebody planted that. It could have been mom, dad, grandpa, grandma, society, culture. You know, what do you believe about yourself? I heard people say, you know, this is funny. He says, one of the main guys, when I first went to Cuba, he said, you know, you can't really preach prosperity in Cuba. I'm like, why? He says, because they're so poor. And I'm like, well, isn't that the whole point? Well, you know, so well, let's stop preaching salvation because you guys are all going to hell. Why would I preach salvation? You're all going to hell anyway. That's the same idea. Well, guess what happened? We went in there and we got all the back blow up and basically got kicked out of Cuba for a year. Not by the government, by the religious people. And guess what? Their truth, that truth didn't work. That, that was a truth for him. He says, you cannot do this. And he's been in Cuba. His dad was in Cuba. They've been doing Cuba forever. Even before, his dad was there before the, the fall of Castro, I mean, the, the rise of Castro and all that. And they, you know, they've done something, but all the churches are broke, all the churches are poor, all the churches are struggling, except one. Guess which one it is? The one we work with. Oh, I got some testimonies coming on that one. It just keeps getting better and better. Because the truth was, prosperity works. And I'm not saying prosperity. The word works. There's nothing even used. The word just works. But when somebody, so bring it back to your example. What truth have you been told? Well, you'll, you know, you'll never have enough money because, you, you know, you don't have an education. Uh, how many examples do you need of people, dropouts, that are billionaires today? Yeah? Do you want me to list them or no? Because, I mean, that's not a truth. That, that might be a truth to you. I didn't go to school, so I don't have a chance to make it. That could be a truth to you, but that's not, a, that, that, you know, just historically that doesn't hold up. Are you guys trouble, trouble? I'm not even spiritualizing anything yet. What do you believe about yourself? Because that is one of the roots of depression. I'm talking skills now. We're not, you know, remember what we're talking. We're talking, when you get an honest picture of who you are and begin to, you know, process each one of these. Now, this takes time. This is not like, oh, this is such a good message. I got to know. You're going to have to write stuff down. You're going to have to talk to yourself. You're going to have to spend time with yourself. But the more you do it, the more you begin to see these ideas that those aren't my thoughts. Those thoughts might have been planted by mom, dad, or somebody else, but those are not, that's not me. Especially for a believer. Come on, church. You are here because you believe you're a new creation. All old things have passed away. That's why you're here this morning. Yes? I mean, we are here because we believe something happened and made us a new person. Well, what old belief systems have we still brought back or have brought into the new life that we just left them there? You know, somebody branded you with something when you were a kid. Somebody abused you. Somebody hurt you. That, I'm not making light of any of it. But those belief systems have to have a truth. And Christians are sometimes the worst about making everything mystical. Hello. You know, I don't believe, you know, why should this be mystical? God is as real as it gets. But he is a very simple God. He's not complex and stuff. So where does the belief come? Whatever you believe, where did it come from? Unless you can tell me the source... You don't even know if it's true or not. But it's true to you. And as long as you think you're inferior, as long as you think you can't make it, as long as you think, you know, well, you know, my mom, my dad, and you go through the past and generational and all that nonsense, I don't care how much God and I don't care how much you come to church, nothing that I say 
is going to break down the truth to you. You've talked to people that are convinced of something and they're wrong? Has anybody? I mean, you got like evidence. And they'll still sit there and say, nope. Because, I mean, I've, you can tell somebody, show a picture of their husband cheating on him, and they'll say, nope, he loves me. And the picture, <laughs> Photoshop. <laughs> I mean, you'll justify everything. I'm being silly, but you'll justify everything to protect your truth. So here's my challenge. Question your truths. What's truth to you about your personality? Who told you? Because unless God told you, it doesn't have a lot of value. I'm talking negative things. You know, hopefully you have a parent that would encourage you and tell you, that, you know, that's why it's so important to speak into your kids and encourage them and tell them they can do, you know, the right frame, you know. Just keep telling them they can do so because their brain is going to be formed into I can accomplish anything in my life or any challenge I have, I can't. So you face a challenge. That's where I'm going with this. When you face a challenge based on a false truth, the reason you're going to fall into depression is because it's false. And your narrative, you're so convinced that if I do A, B, C, and D, this will change. The problem is that what you're trying to change is a lie or something that's not real. So now you're depressed because you're trying everything to justify that position or that truth that was placed in you, which has no foundation. So is there a truth basis for that belief or is it based on assumption? Identify the belief system. This is very simple. Gather evidence. Evaluate the evidence, reframe the belief system by education, and then what else? Repeat it all over again. That's a lot of work. Well, stay depressed then. <laughs> because when you begin to find out where, where your thoughts come from, that's why Second Corinthians says, take captive. Well, they told me, I, my mom told me, my dad or my tia or my tia told me I was never going to do anything with my life. Question, is he God? No, he's just a person that talks too much. But if you absorb that truth, when God says, or, God, or you encounter God's word and says, I can do all things through Jesus Christ. But if Theo Pepe said you can't, now we have an issue. And your brain is going to go to the truth, whatever the truth is to you. Not the truth, the truth. So even though God says, hey, Dream big. You can do it. You can have a million-dollar business. You're going to remember what Tio Pepe said. <laughs> and you're going to lean into that. And you're going to get depressed. And now you're going to go look for the pill. When all it was, you didn't need a pill. You needed to figure out what was true in your life. Are you still here this morning? All right. Give me the next one. So you challenge your belief system. Here we go. Boy, these are long notes. Who wrote all this stuff? identify and locate. These are instructions on how to write things down, and we're going to get into the meat now. What time is it? Oh, my clock is going. How are you feeling? That's a question you need to ask yourself. And then you write it down. This is, this is self, do you want to call it self-therapy? This is what it's called. And it's all biblical. Sit down with a notebook and identify your feelings, because feelings come from thoughts. Feelings, let me put it this way, are feelings real? Yes. You feel it. You feel it. The information that caused the feelings might not be real. Okay? So, number two is your feelings. We have to, when we're doing the self-analysis, we have to say, how am I feeling today? 
And you should be honest to yourself right now. You know, use a happy face. Use like the, the ones at the doctor's office. Have you seen any you know, the pain? The happy face? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, if I was to say, how are you doing today? And write an emoji. Oh, don't send me a poop emoji, please. Um, maybe a sad, happy face, you know, a flat face, you know. But how are you feeling? You know, you have to, you have to become aware of these things because feelings do not just show up. Feelings come from thoughts, and emotions come from feelings, and uncontrolled emotions, the root is not an uncontrolled emotion, it's uncontrolled thinking. Because emotions don't just show up. I heard, I, I, you know, you know, we can talk all about emotional intelligence, and we will, and that's a very important subject, but it's all wrapped up in the same package. Your emotions are real. Don't ever think your emotions aren't real. Your feelings are real. But the information that causes those is, we're going back to, to point one, are they true? Because here's the thing, you know, you're having a good day. I'm going to show you how this works. So, you know, in, in, in the mindset of a, a person that, you know, they're having, you know, a pleasant day, whatever, normal day. And then they get a, you know, text message or information somehow that says, uh, so-and-so says you're stupid and ugly. Okay, stop. That person could have said that. So that could be a fact. Question, but is it true? Well, she said I was fat and ugly. Yeah, yeah, wait, wait a minute. Where's the source? Because it's not true to you until you receive it. Because first of all, that person has no credentials in my life to speak about anything in my life. They can make a judgment if I'm fat and ugly, whatever. But at the end of the day, that, tr you know, that, that's, that person releases a truth, and people are so quick to embrace it, and there goes your day down the drain. Because now you become so self-conscious about your looks. Are you here this morning? It had nothing to do with you, but somebody else's truth has infiltrated your head and now has caused depressive thoughts and depressive behaviors. So once again, these things you have to... Feelings come from emotions. So what are you, you know, when you feel something, when you feel irritated, when you feel mad, you know, that emotion, that feeling, that emotion, what thought caused that? I know this is a lot of self-searching, guys, but if you really want to win the battle over depression, this is what it takes. Because the more you categorize your thinking, this is so cool because I've learned this over months and months of practice. I'm not there yet, trust me. I'm not there yet because it sneaks up on me every once in a while. But the more you practice it, through adverse circumstances, through dark circumstances, through confusing circumstances, you maintain yourself as stable as you can be. There's really no ups and downs emotionally anymore because you've, you've decided, well, you know, so-and-so said this and so-and-so said that and this came from, the, well, no, wait, where is the truth? Is that a truth? Because if I receive it, it's going to be a truth to me. And now my feelings and my emotions are all out of control and the reason there is not a solution because there is never a solution to a lie. Right? There's never a solution to a lie. The only solution to a lie is truth. Come on, some of you, you know, you get one lie, you need another one real quick. <laughs> feelings come from thought, emotions come from feelings, thoughts come by feelings and experiences. Now let's talk a little bit of maladaptive assumptions, because that is, that is a term I want to mention. A maladaptive assumptions are negative beliefs or thought patterns that can lead to emotional distress and negative behavior. They are often formed from past experiences and can be difficult to change because they often feel like they are true or accurate. Example, I am not good enough. Well, that is an assumption. 
I'm not good enough. And I know we've been hitting this thing, but this is where the roots, most roots of depression come from. From your self-analysis of what, even the expectations about your own life. Because a lot of times, we're trying to meet expectations of other people. My husband, my wife, my kids. And by trying to meet expectations of other people, guess what's going to happen? You're never going to do it. Because their expectations, first of all, you don't even know what their expectations are. You can assume what they expect from you, but you really don't know. So, you know, to keep it simple on both sides of this, let me give you a golden nugget. Don't expect anything from anybody. And they'll never let you down. They'll never let you down. I, I've, I've absorbed this. You know, if, you, if I hadn't absorbed this in ministry, I would not be in ministry today. Because if you expect things from people and they don't come through, you're going to feel let down. But the problem is most people didn't even know you expected that from them. And now you're all depressed because somebody didn't fulfill one of your expectations and they don't even know what's going on. And you're over here all, you know, under the covers and crying. Are you here? So I'm trying to show you a process that a lot of the things that, 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 that come into our life and really what depression is, let me throw this out there, is a lot of this stuff just compounding. So it's not just one little thing. It's like, oh, you know, this and then the other. And pretty soon it just kind of snowballs and you don't even know the way out. But a lot of them were what you let in and you received it. A lot of the depression, a lot of the anxiety is coming from, you know, things that are coming through. So maladaptive assumptions are negative beliefs or thought patterns that can lead to emotional distress. Are you brave enough to do a self-analysis to say, how many of these assumptions do I have? You know, and I'm not going to try to break it down. Just think about what, what, the, what the comment says. You know, they are, they are often formed through the past experiences, and they can be difficult to change because they often feel like they are true or accurate. And the examples I was giving you is, I'm not good enough. I will always be alone. I'm not capable of achieving my goals. Other people are always out to hurt me. Those are just little things that we say. But what happens is, those become self-fulfilling prophecies. Now you see it? Now you begin to fulfill your own prophecy. Well, of course you're depressed. But the depression didn't start by life circumstances, the depression started by you and your perspective and your expectations of life. Are you still here this morning? So once you see that, you say, question, if you ever said this, I'm not good enough, let's assume, where did the truth come from? Where did that come from? Can you analyze that? So maladaptive assumptions and how you deal with it is really becoming self-aware of this and say, wait, 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 where did I get this idea that I can't do this? You know, again, I don't know the way my brain's wired, and trust me, I've found out some things about my brain and all that lately, but here's my point. When I started working, and I worked, my, my first, like, real job was up in the mountains in, in Michoacan, Mexico, working for the government electrical company in construction inspection and lab work and a geothermal project, and I'm not going to bore you with all that, but I had, like, I didn't have a good job. I, was supposed, I gave fuel to all the tractors. That's where I learned I was 17, 18, something like that. And I would see all the other guys, you know, I'd see the, the guys come up in their nice little truck, like the, the, the laboratory guys. And they'd get out, and they were all clean, and they'd dig little holes, and they'd check concrete. And, they'd, and I was always full of diesel, I always smelled like diesel. My, I actually developed a skin condition on my legs because of, of my pants always being full of diesel. I broke out. And, it, was a, it was a bad job, you know, but that was my job. So I would see others, and, and I said, okay, here's what i got to figure out. If I can figure out what they're doing... I can get their job. That was a really deep revelation. In other words, my mind has worked, in my whole life it's worked this way, and I don't know if it's good or bad. Sometimes I guess it's bad. Most of the time it is good. 
But if somebody can, if, if there's a human being on the planet that has done something, that means I have the ability to do the same. Just for the fact that they're humans. Now, I might have to go to education and get a, you know, go to school. I might have to do all that. But I would see these guys and say, okay, what, why is he there nice and clean and why am I here dirty? Well, he knows stuff that I don't know. So what did I do? I began to befriend them. I began to learn what they did. And I began to adapt my thinking. And I trained myself. And guess what? Then I got that job. And I didn't have that job. Well, then in this job, I looked at the boss and I said, I want that job. I told my boss, I want your job. He said, that's fine. Learn what I learned. So it took me a few years. And I didn't get his job there. But eventually, through life process, I ended up environmental manager, doctor under me, engineers. And I don't even have a degree. Ha <laughs> ha. Just saying, just saying, not that degrees are bad, I'm just saying, the way you see yourself will be the way you are. And I didn't have a lot of deep revelation. I just knew in my life, especially living in Mexico, if I didn't get a good job, this is not going to be a good place. So I had to adapt my, I trained myself. In other words, I went to my own university to get myself out of the hole. And the reason I'm applying all this is because negative, self-fulfilling prophecies are coming from the way you see yourself. If you walk in life and always think, well, I can't do that. I'm never going to get that job. I'm never going to have enough money. I'm never going to own my house. I'm never going to, you know, have anything nice. I'm never going to have a nice family. My, you know, I've gone through, you know, three bad relationships. I guess all my relationships are going to be bad. All that will become a self-fulfilling prophecy. You will walk in that. Remember the first scripture about three hours ago? And no, I just kidding. As a man thinketh, so is he. Pretty simple, right? As a man thinketh. So we need to think. If we're going to come into this idea of winning the battle over depression, you are going to have to look at yourself almost like a third person and say, okay, what are you thinking today? Oh, no, those aren't your thoughts, sunshine. Those aren't your thoughts. And when you hear yourself saying, well, this is really bad, and some of this, I'm not there yet. We'll talk about that in the next couple of weeks. That's where the principles of neuroplasticity and all this other stuff comes. The more you practice that, the more your attitude changes. And if you're, if you're a person that always wakes up negative in the morning, start practicing this, and before you won't even notice the change. Someday you're going to wake up, and you're just going to notice, hey, I've got a good attitude today. Because you've been practicing instead of saying, ay, otro lunes. <laughs> you say, thank God I'm alive today. Glory to God, I'm going to have such a good day today. And then somebody at work tells you you're stupid. Guess what? You already set your GPS. It won't affect you. You're stupid. Glory to God, I'm going to have a good day today. Because what you're doing is you're not permitting those little seeds that will, especially if you have a tendency to be a depressive person. I mean, if you have a tendency to be, you know, melancholy and always, you know, that's me, you know. Like, if you, if you give me a guitar, I'll play a minor note always. That's just, you guys don't know what I'm talking about. But I like minor notes. They're sad notes. They're blues. But if you got that tendency, which is fine, that's your personality. We don't want to change your personality. You got to be a little extra careful because things people say will affect you different. If you're a creative, sensitive person, you have to be extra careful on this because anything anybody says will just go right in, and in all day it will be there. <laughs> so, can you identify negative thinkings? Because let me read my last note: negative self-fulfilling prophecy, where people act in ways that align with their negative beliefs leading to negative outcomes. And what happens? They reinforce their beliefs. I told you I was right. I was going to have a bad day, and I had a bad day. How do you even convince somebody out of that? 
because they, can, they fulfill their own prophecies, which they believe are true. So we got to be, begin to hit these things. And this is like, these are the things you got to do this week. So monitoring and tracking your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. And I want to I try to land it with this, because this is where I really wanted to get, because I want you to take something home. That last line, thought journal. This is a big one. I challenge everyone to start a thought journal. Start it on your phone. Start it on a little notepad. Start it somewhere you won't lose it. What is a thought journal? Exactly what it is. When you think a thought, that because thoughts create emotions, right? I don't care what thing, you know. You can, you can go to a movie and cry over some silly story that is not even real, that in some, some form and fashion in that movie, they got into your emotion. I'm not judging. I'm too. I cry at movies. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, something in my eye. Dust in the air. And it's silly because you think, about this movie's not even real. So emotions are real. Going back to that point, because this is a big one. So when you start your thought journal, you have to be honest with yourself. This is like, I tried this. I've been trying this for a couple of weeks now. I'm actually new to me. This is newer to me, but I'm trying it. Now, I journal. I don't journal every day. I think journaling is healthy. I journal when I feel like it. I don't, like, everyday journal. Sometimes it'll be three months. I don't write nothing down. Then I'll write all week. So journaling is healthy. I, I recommend people to journal, you know, have a journaling life. But thought journal is not that. Thought journal is... Be honest with what you're thinking. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, if you have a negative thought, write it down. I'm serious. Get your phone, write it down. You might, you might not have time to touch it because you go to work or whatever, but you come back to that thought at some point in your day. Say, where did this come from? And you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna get on a, on a self-discovery journey that you've never imagined. You're going to find out stuff about yourself that you never knew. And you're going to find a, a lot of stuff that you've been believing a lot of stuff wrong your whole life. And people put it in there you know, because of ignorance or because of tradition or because of, you know, crazy little things that people say. And as a child, it's very hard because a little kid will believe everything. You know, if you tell a Pórtate bien porque Diosito te va a castigar. You know, the, I, was, I took that my whole life. I figured when I sinned, God was going to strike me dead. Because what happened? When I smoked my first cigarette, it didn't happen. So I said, okay, let's try a second one. You see, somebody fed me a lie. And when that lie was tested, the devil used it to to mess with me. I'm telling you the truth. Somebody told me a little lie, like, Diosito te va a castigar. And then when that, when that lie was tested, and I didn't get hit. I'm talking about a 12, 13-year-old kid, you know, there's a long story there, that really believed this with his full heart. And it didn't happen. So that clicks you into, like, well, maybe that's not true. And maybe that other one's not true. And that, I can tell you, at that age, that started my path of 12 long years of self-destructive behavior. I, that's my story. When, I, when God didn't strike me down, when we let our first cigarette, that led the path. That was there. Because I thought, I, as a child, believed that was truth, and when it was tested and it was not, it destroyed my support system. Internal support system. You see, you see, how, see how it works? So you have to test your thoughts. Just because they're in your head, they're not yours. So when you write them... You'll see them almost like a third person. Like, whoa, I thought that. You, well, I've got to pray for you. <laughs> okay. I don't know if, if, if it translated on the slides, but I, I broke it down on a little chart. Give me the next one, Arjeta. I don't know if it, it went through. Okay. So, number, so some instructions for you guys. Learn to write your thoughts down and give them a category. What do I mean by category? Give me the next one. I did a chart. Uh, no, it didn't translate. Okay. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but so I'll just 
see if you can see it. So this is something you can do. Like a little chart here. I'm not gonna, I know you guys can see it. But I'm going to read you what's in the chart. So what I do, I do two columns. I put negative, positive. Very simple. So on the negative one, you know, I'm talking about a thought journal. You're going to say thoughts. Negative, angry, sad, disappointed, empty, tired, worried, anxious, frustrated, fear, guilt, shame. Negative thoughts. Positive thoughts. Are you calm, happy, grateful, confident, hopeful, content, loved, motivated, excited, proud? And what's interesting is when you start doing this, you're going to find out that positive thoughts and negative thoughts work together. You can have one, positive, one negative, and, and I was discovering this in my own life. I'm like, this is super interesting because, you know, I, can, I, can be, I am a very grateful person. I really am. I am, you know, I'm not trying to make you think anything of me. I just, I, I really am grateful to life, to people, to a waiter, to my church, to my leadership. I am so grateful. But at the same time, I can be very sad. So I can have a negative and a positive going at the same time. Or I can be very this and be very disappointed. So your brain has the capacity. So, you, so don't, don't think, well, I just have to be happy and I can't be sad. No, you can, you can be navigating through a range of emotions. So, does that make sense? You know, you can have, you can have a lot of positives. And stuff. So what happens with, with the journal is you begin to say, okay, where are these coming from? So now go ahead and give it. So there you go. So practice capturing your thoughts. That's what the, this is what the biblical description of what I'm saying. When Jesus said capture your thoughts, then you capture them before the feeling is permitted to emerge. And that's the key to really not losing your emotions and not falling into a dark place. Because before the feeling is permitted, if somebody tells me, you know what they're saying about you, Pastor Box? Right there, before they even release another word, I have to make a decision, you know, conscious decision to say, oh boy, whatever's coming, I'm not going to put a feeling to it. They might say, they're saying you're awesome. I still don't want to put a feeling, because then pride can sneak in, right? So I don't want to put a feeling, but they could be like a good thing. But usually when somebody says, you know what they're saying about you? It's never been a good thing. Anyway. Or I can say, whatever they say, that's their opinion. Say it. It's, your, it's their opinion, your opinion. God, I will not attach a feeling to that. You see, those are conscious decisions. That's what I'm saying, skills instead of pills. There are skills that nobody has taught us. Nobody taught me this when I was a kid. Come on, you, you know in school, there's a lot of stuff they should teach in school. They should have two classes in school. They should have something like this, and they should have something have to do with investing in finances. Teach these kids about money. Because they don't know anything about money. And if they're teaching them, you're doing it wrong in school. I'm just saying. But I think this is so important. Another thing, so you say, before the feelings spring emerge, so you become aware of your thoughts and focus positive, constructive thoughts. And another one is practice mindfulness. What is mindfulness? And it's not a new age thing. Don't get weird. Mindfulness is a very, very simple definition. Mindfulness just means your mind is full in the present. That's all it means. So you practice mindfulness, be present in your moment, and pay attention to your surroundings. I'm talking about walking around, somebody's going to mug you. Pay attention to your emotional surroundings. So mindfulness, the, the easiest way to define mindfulness is when your mind is going through crazy scenarios and all that, you have to bring your mind to a present moment. And you know how simple this is? It's as simple as picking anything out. When my thoughts are racing, let's, you know, I'll, I'll show you and I'll see if I have something.